welcome to this episode of the Fearlessly Facing 50 podcast. This podcast is all about challenging that narrative at midlife. You know, it's not a crisis, it's an opportunity. And that's what we talk about by sharing stories of incredible people that are taking on the challenges, by sharing insight and wisdom from guests every week. And today I have with me the incredible Robin Goldberg, and we're going to be talking about eating disorders. And believe it or not, women at midlife, there are a large number, a high percentage of women that suffer with eating disorders at this phase of life. Robin will be sharing her expertise, her wisdom, and what to do if you or a friend or a colleague might be struggling with an eating disorder. Robin began her career at Cedars Sinai Medical Center as the inpatient dietitian in the Department of Cardiology. Over the past 23 years, she has developed her own practice in Beverly Hills, where she specializes in medical conditions, disordered eating, eating disorders, health at every size, and people in recovery. Robin is a certified eating disorders registered dietitian and supervisor from the IAEDP. For the last eight years, Robin was the nutrition counselor for the Susan Cravoy Eating Disorders Program at the Wright Institute in Los Angeles. She's a contributing author and is a nationally known registered dietitian nutritionist. She's been quoted in the New York Times, the Huffington Post, been on national television, and is the author of the new book, The Eating Disorder Trap, A Guide for Clinicians and Loved Ones, and the host of the podcast, The Eating Disorders Trap Podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this insightful conversation with Robin Goldberg. So if you're still doing your holiday shopping or haven't quite started, I have the brand for you. You know, I've mentioned it recently and I continue to mention it because they're offering such a great savings to the Fearlessly Facing 50 community. It's called Faraday Brands and it is a clothing and accessories line for men and women and it's amazing. So last week I told you about a woman by the name of Sue who sent me an email about a Sherpa blanket that she ordered. And this week I got an email from Taylor from Florida and she said, you know what, I used the 25% discount and bought clothing for my young adult kids. I knew they each wanted a flannel shirt and it was the perfect spot to get it and the great discount really, really saved me in the end. So thanks, Faraday, for offering the great savings to us. It's all linked to the episode notes, or you can simply go to FaradayBrands.com. And at checkout, you can put in the code FEARLESSLYFACING50, 50 is spelled out, and you will receive 25% off your order. Happy holidays. Menopause is so much more than hot flashes and the end of periods. It's difficulty sleeping, it's depression, weight gain, heart palpitations, and up to 34 other symptoms. But it doesn't have to be that way. Genev offers telemedicine for menopause. Our team of OBGYNs and health coaches bring the best of evidence-based medical care together with lifestyle management to improve your quality of life. Visit this first-of-its-kind online menopause clinic at genev.com. That's G-E-N-N-E-V.com. Go there now to book a virtual appointment, download the free guide to menopause, and shop wellness products for symptom relief. Well, welcome to today's episode. And you know, like every week, I love to share inspiring stories of women. I love to share um, guests that will just share their insight on something that you may find very valuable in your life 
And if it directly, you know, doesn't affect you, it may affect a sister, a friend, a neighbor, a colleague. And um, today's topic is really important. And as you know, in season two, I'm really focusing a lot on health and making ourselves a priority as women and really digging into these conversations and these topics that can be sometimes difficult to engage in. So today, my guest is Robin Goldberg. So Robin, I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Amy. Yeah, I'm just so excited to have this conversation. You know, I heard Robin speak on another podcast, and um, I listened to her message and her insight and her background, and it was very inspiring, and it was it was just very insightful. So, Robin, we're just going to dig right in, and um, first of all, just give us a brief introduction to you and um, just why you have it on your heart to talk about eating disorders and things like that, especially with midlife women. Great. So I am a registered dietitian nutritionist and a certified eating disorder registered dietitian and supervisor. And I have a private practice in Beverly Hills, California for coming on 24 years. And I see women, teens, tweens, men, I see everyone basically. And I really like to help people develop a new and improved relationship with food in their body since diet culture is so prevalent in our society. And I think even more so now with a pandemic, we hear, unfortunately, jokes about, you know, body changes and such. And, right. and really, um, I think this is a topic that most people can relate to. And even in midlife, especially when bodies change, it right. is a conversation that does occur within circles of friends and families and yeah, so I, I I ran an outpatient eating disorder program for almost nine years, and my mission is really to help people find peace with their set, their food choices and their bodies, and not be afraid of any food or food group. Mm, you know that's so great. And you know, before I even recorded this podcast and before we had this conversation, I was thinking back because I was always an athlete in high school and in college, and I can remember. You know, back in the day, as a competitive swimmer, we had to be weighed in every week. And it was just part of the process. And I can remember when that scale went from 99 to three digits to 100. I mean, I was a teenager, but I remember that that weight thing. And for women at any age, it's that constant cloud that hangs over us, right? It's just something we constantly have in our mind. So let's dig into just talking about that, because I think these feelings of insecurities around weight and tying it to a specific number or something are common, right? Yes. And Amy, it's not just in midlife, it's in all ages of life, because society teaches us that we, quote unquote, should look a certain way and eat in a certain way. And our society is really geared for unfortunately one body type people that live in smaller bodies and there's stigma and bias regarding individuals that live in larger bodies and people feel shamed and bullied and, and it makes them feel insecure and it's really recognizing you know we all have genetics bodies come in all different shapes and sizes and if a person is having to go through unnatural extreme measures to change their body it's probably not the place they're naturally meant to be right exactly 
Boy, that's powerful. You know, I remember a show. It was probably, you might remember this too, Robin. It was probably 15 years ago. There was a show on, on you know, one of the stations, TLC or something. And it they had one particular episode where they asked a woman who was probably in her 40s at that point to kind of measure up. And they had a, a diagram of women from very small and petite all the way to larger boned larger women and that commentator that moderator said fit yourself in to that diagram where you think you are and I remember it because it was so powerful that woman immediately went larger she immediately had her body image as larger than she really is and she felt very insecure about it and so I, I really I remember that so vividly because you know as women we we are our worst critics aren't we well, I think people are definitely most critical of themselves, for sure. And yeah. and also when you're saying women, I think as we see how our bodies change each year of life, let alone each decade of life, right. individuals tend to body check or body avoid more so as well. And, and what I wanted to say just about the show you had mentioned, there is something I would recommend to the listeners to check out. It's called poodle science so if they type in poodle science on google so it's put out so i'm a member of it's called asda the association for size and diversity and and health professionals so basically i'm what's called a haze provider health at every Mm. size so a person Ah. can live in a larger body and have no health issues and a person can live in a smaller body and be a train wreck basically right. medical issues. So right. you can't look at someone and determine if they're quote unquote healthy by their appearance and their body shape. And so what this video shows, it's like two minutes. It's wonderful. It's called poodle science because mm. they're basically showing it's all like, it's a cartoon done of dogs. And you know, you wouldn't ask a poodle to look like a mastiff or a mastiff <laughs> right. to look like a poodle. Right. So right. it's just like genetically how we are. And I think if we all looked the same, if we all ate the same, if we had the same preference in color or shoes, right. life would be boring. That's what makes the world go around. You know, people exactly. come in all different shapes and sizes. And the reality is, as we age and, you know, when we go through that, you know, next chapter of life and menopause, our bodies change. Maybe you have mm-hmm. hips you didn't have. Maybe you have back fat. Maybe there's more. Cur- I mean, it's just what it is. And of course, right. and I hear this time and time again, Amy, with my clients that are, you know, perimenopause, put whatever. It's like, I have a stomach. I never had. A, it's like, you know what? It's basically when you're going through menopause, it's like going through puberty again. You you it have is, this protective adipose. To, it's just what it is. And it comes right. time that we have to work on the place of acceptance versus nitpicking and being extreme and rigid with our food. Ah, acceptance. That's such a great word. I kind of compare that to something I say about treating yourself as the guest of honor, you know, and being respectful and honoring and loving yourself. And that's so tough for us to do. Um, let's talk about that big word diet, because especially like, like you said in the beginning, you know, we were living in this pandemic. Um, there's, there's uncertainty, there's fear, there's all those things that set in. And a lot of times, and of course we're home for the most part. Um, I had someone on recently, Joyce Shulman, um, and we're, I'll be dropping that episode, um, about 99 walks and how she's encouraging women to get out and walk. It's such a great thing. 
Um, but from an eating standpoint, you know, we're, we're bombarded with this diet or that diet or what we shouldn't be eating or what we should be eating. And so let's just talk about strategies that women can incorporate from your expertise because you live this, breathe this, you are an expert about what we can do in our everyday lives to create some confidence around eating and start loving ourselves again. Well, and, and just to reply, I mean, I always like to say, sometimes people say, well, I don't know if I can love myself. Maybe it's tolerate myself. And then mm. from tolerate to actually like myself. Ooh, so I, I like, like that. I like to break it down <laughs> in stages for people. But really, you know, I, I put it simply this way. You know, diets have starting points and ending points. And somewhere along the way, we feel restricted, bored, and deprived. And right. If a person does not have disordered eating and thinking, they certainly will after the diet, let alone develop an eating disorder. Right. And, and the problem is that we become judgmental and fearful of various foods and food groups versus getting back to that place of learning how to become an intuitive eater. And when you yes. think about babies and small children, we weren't told can't have the boob the boobs going to make you fat or yeah, are you really yeah. hungry again? It's, it's really, you know, we had this internal wisdom to learn how to eat when we are hungry and, and stop when we're satisfied. There's not, right. I'm stressed out. I'm going to nurse again, or I'm going to yeah. dip in another handful of chips and slowly <laughs> through the aging process, we become more and more disconnected from not only trusting but listening and honoring what our body's telling us. So I right. really like to help clients get back to a place of learning how to reconnect with their bodies as well and clarifying the misconceptions that they have centered on various foods and food groups, which I talk about in my book a bit. Yep. Because at the end of the day, I think people don't realize, you know, 30 million Americans suffer from eating disorders. 30 and million. 30 wow. million. And that's wow. over you know, over the lifetime and it affects every body. It does not matter where you are socioeconomically, where you live. It affects all ages, genders, races, mm -hmm. economic classes. And I think people don't realize, especially as we age, it's, I, I actually, last year, I lobbied on Capitol Hill for parity, or excuse me, for the, um, now I'm, I'm blocking, I will Tell you the same, but but basically the empty nesters. Yeah. Okay, they're the fastest growing population yes. in developing eating disorders. And people mm. always think of eating disorders as young girls, Caucasian right. women. And and actually, sure, it's them, it's everyone, but people don't realize, like, oh wow, my aunt or my mother or someone who's aging, and it's rapidly growing yeah. in that population. Robin, can you define eating disorder for us, for the listeners? Well, there's many types of eating disorders, mm -hmm. but so I'm not sure which one you're referring to specifically, but just to, to mention, um, I mean, there's, would you like for me to name? Well, I, I guess, you know, yeah. And that, that's a broad question to find eating disorders, but what do you most often see as far as midlife women, what type of eating disorders are they most struggling with? I mean, honestly, the same with as everyone. I mean, that I see right. in my practice, whether it's binge eating disorder, which well, I'll just start with here. Binge eating disorder 
actually is the most common eating disorder and mm. the least okay. spoken about. So individuals that have eating disorders, 60% of women struggle mm. with binge eating disorder and 40% of men. So really, that's incredible. With, yeah. So actually, um, 3.5% of women and 2% of men will develop binge eating disorder. But with my midlife women, so I, I mean, I see binge eating disorder, but I also, I mean, I see a lot of anorexia nervosa. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and it could be what's called a typical anorexia nervosa. And that's per a person who quote unquote might appear looking normal or they live in a higher weight body. And that can make it more problematic because their healthcare provider doesn't take them seriously because right. they don't look sickly. So you know, when you ask Amy, which ones do I see? I mean, I see it all, but I feel like even now with COVID, I would say those two. And what I would chime in to say is a lot of um, purging via exercise, compulsive exercise. Yeah, compulsive exercise. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's all of the ones that we see there, but it's, mm-hmm. what can I say? I mean, it's, yeah. it's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that there is um, a common thread, if that's the proper word, I don't know if it is, it might be escaping me the right word, um, to eating disorders as a teen. Do you find that there's a lot of women that this then comes again, you know, resurfaces at midlife? Yes. Okay. I I think, you know, one of the aspects is it's it's not something that will go away to successful to to successfully be recovered. Right. A person must have a treatment team that they're actively working with. And that includes a mental health provider mm-hmm. who ideally is an eating disorder specialist a registered dietitian nutritionist who's an eating disorder specialist, mm. a physician, but I have to say it's very difficult to find a physician that understands and is trained in body image and eating disorders. Mm. We have like a handful. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, LA is very limited. That's where I'm based, but right. some of the best ones are in other parts of the country. So I'm constantly educating physicians because I was trained by the top adolescent eating disorder doctor in the country. So they all like need my book because originally it was written for what healthcare providers lack in their training. And then the fourth member, if needed, is a psychiatrist. So having this team, oftentimes I'll hear um, individuals say like, oh, well, it just went away or I outgrew it. They never quote unquote took it seriously. But what could bring it on is maybe they're an empty nester. Yeah. Their kids exactly. went away. Their kids went away to school. They experienced some sort of trauma. Mm-hmm. They were taking mm-hmm. care of an elderly parent and their parents away or their spouse left them. They're, I mean, they, these are, I would say, some of the big themes that right. come right. up. But and it comes back with a vengeance and is worse than in their younger years, what they were going through. I'll tell you, as midlife women, we go through a lot, you know, just of those things that you mentioned, the the changes in how we're needed and relationships and just, you know, loss and all of these things, you know, they really do. It's a compounding effect and um, you can feel isolated, alone, that type of thing. If If there is a woman listening or, you know, someone listening that knows a friend or a colleague or a relative 
that they suspect may be suffering with a de- dis- eating disorder. How do you bridge that gap? How do you take that first step in that conversation and have that, what I would call a courageous conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think it's most effective when there's, I'm going to say an intervention when it's more than one person right. bringing this up. You know, I'm concerned. I've noticed that when we have family meals, you're not eating or you eat very little or mm-hmm. you become mm-hmm. very anxious when we talk about we're getting takeout from this restaurant or we're going here or there or, or right. you are eating by yourself, you don't want to eat in public or you eat in the bedroom or whatever it is. And I think coming from a loving, supportive place to initiate that conversation mm-hmm. is important. And from there, because again, it depends, you know, if their physician is trained and most likely they're not right. to be able to then like, if that family member is researching this, I would first start actually with what's called, well, I'm going to tell you a few things. So there's NEDA, N-E-D-A, go on mm-hmm. NEDA, I think it's .com. It's the National Eating Disorder Association. It was really created for families, for support. Mm-hmm. But I but I would actually go on IADEP, I-A-E, oh, I'm just writing, oh, I'm losing my mind. Okay, sorry. IAEDP, the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals. So my credential, so I'm what's called a CEDRDS. I'm a certified eating disorder registered dietitian, and now I'm a supervisor. I train new dietitians and therapists in the field. It's the highest level of certification in the eating disorder community. And you could go on IADEP's website and type in your zip code and be able to find all psychologists, therapists, dietitians, all providers that are eating disorder experts approved by the IADEP certification committee. Mm, That's fantastic. Boy, kudos to you, Robin. That's, that's incredible. Why are the other thing? I'm sorry. The other resource that they can go on, I think too, it's called IFED, I-F-E-D-D, the International Federation of Eating Disorder Dietitians, which I'm the Los Angeles ambassador for. Mm. And you could go onto the website and type in your zip code. It's all eating disorder registered dietitians. We now have about a thousand members. All wow. over, we have a few internationally now, all over the country. And before the pandemic, I would do on-site visits of treatment centers all over the country. But then you can connect with a dietitian, and they will help you create a team. So it's right. like speaking to someone like me who knows people all over the place that does exactly. what I do. Exactly. Boy, that's amazing. And that's what it's all about as women. You know, we, we thrive on that community, having those conversations and making those connections. So if there's a woman listening right now or a man listening that um, this message is resonating and uh, maybe personally and they want to take that next step to reach out to you. Um, of course, I will, uh, you know, put everything in the episode notes. And, and I also have a link to Robin's book, The Eating Disorder Trap. Thanks so much for tuning in the episode today. You know what? I love to engage with my community. There's nothing better than linking arms and furthering the conversations. If you haven't left a review yet and you're finding the content of the podcast engaging and inspiring you in some way, if you haven't yet, leave a podcast review on Apple. 
and go ahead and follow me on socials. I'm everywhere, man. Instagram, amy.k.schmidt. You can follow me there. And on Facebook, I have a page called Fearlessly Facing 50. 50 is spelled out. As well as a great group that launched a few months ago. It's interactive, engaging, and it's all like-minded people that are linking arms and cheering each other on through challenges and through celebrations. Check it out on Facebook. It's called Cannonball. Make your splash with confidence. And if you're a Twitter person, now I don't tweet much, to be honest, but Amy Facing 50, I'm there on Twitter as well. So like I always say, go forth and be awesome. Love yourself and reach out to someone who really could use a little love this week. Be in touch soon.